September 21st. I'm going to go hold for hold with one of my wrestling idols. One of the people who inspired me to become a professional wrestler, Lightning Mike Quackenbush. One of the most influential people, not just on me, but of the entire industry in the last 25 years. And on that night in Winnipeg, when I stand across the ring from someone who is the catalyst of everything I aspire to be, not only as a wrestler, but as a gentleman, it'll be one of the most surreal moments of my entire life. And Mike, I imagine you know exactly how I'm going to feel in that moment because you must have felt much the same when you stepped across the ring from your hero, Jushin Thunder Liger. And on that night in Philadelphia, you said you were going to give him everything you've got. And truth be told, I don't think you did. And in the end, you lost because you couldn't bring yourself to go 100% against your idol. 100% all out against your hero. And I don't blame you. It's going to be just as hard for me to do the same when we step into the ring for the very first time. But Mike, much like I've learned so much from you, I've learned from this mistake. And everything I've done, everything I've accomplished, all the accolades I've acquired throughout my career, including going toe-to-toe -to -toe with the IWGP heavyweight champion, Kenny Omega, has prepared me for this match. And on September 21st, I am not coming into this match even a little bit hurt. And I am certainly not coming into this match a lot beat up. But I am coming into this match to win. Hey, wrestling fans, if you're listening to this, you're listening to the latest episode of the Wrestling Time Machine podcast. Before we dive into the show, Leith and I want to give you a chance to figure out where you can find us on social media. You can follow the Wrestling Time Machine podcast on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the Wrestling Time Machine. You can follow the Wrestling Time Machine podcast on Twitter. The at handle is at W-R-E-S-T-L-T-I-M-M-A-C-H. You can also just search the Wrestling Time Machine podcast on Twitter. You can follow the Wrestling Time Machine podcast on Tumblr. If you want to be a part of the show and let us know what you're watching or what you think of a particular event we're about to watch, you can email the show at thewrestlingtimemachine at gmail.com. We will read your emails live on the show. You can also donate to the show. You can help support us at kofi.com, that's ko-fi.com, forward slash the wrestling time machine. Want to get some merch for your donation? You can support the show by finding us on TeePublic under BobbyF07. It's all lowercase. We have a couple shirts up there. We always have more coming up. You can leave us a review on iTunes if you want to help support the show for free. That really helps us out. That means more people see us, and that means we get to have more cool guests on. You can also check out the other shows that we do at nerdfixstrangers.com forward slash listen, including Nerdfix Strangers and Pokemon Mind and Body. Leith, where can people find you on the internet? You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. Both of those are now at Leith underscore gray that's l-i-a-t-h underscore g-r-e-y mm -hmm. i have a uh, silly toy blog the dinosaur toy adventure on instagram as well dinosaur underscore toy underscore adventure 
And if you are interested and you search Leith Gray on Amazon, I have two short stories available at the moment, uh, Talia and Anna's Obsession. They're a dollar apiece. And that's about it. (laughs) (laughs) So check those out. You can follow me on Twitter at SpaceKingBobby. You can also follow me on Tumblr at SpaceKingBobby's blog, SpaceKingComics. And don't forget to check out EvetteMakesThings.com. She makes all sorts of great stuffed animals, badges, jewelry, comics, stockings for the holidays. Check out EvetteMakesThings.com for all sorts of cool, nerdy findings. And I think with that, I think we can start the show. Welcome, wrestling fans. If you're listening to this, you're listening to the latest episode of the Wrestling Time Machine podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Bobby Fisher, and on the line with me, as always, is Leith Gray. Hello, everyone. Hello, and good morning. It is a beautiful September morning, uh, and this is, I think, the first episode we've recorded since since I moved. And we are being joined by the gentleman grappler, Leo London. Hooray! <laughs> Welcome! Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for, for coming on, and we're, we're glad to have you. So, Leo, what, what have you been up to here recently? Um, uh, just a lot of training uh, mm-hmm. after I handed in my finals. Um, I didn't have anything to do because my life had revolved around school so much that now that I'm not in it for a while, I don't know what to do with myself. Mm. <laughs> so I just focused on training for uh, my match this weekend and spending time with the girlfriend. Very cool. Time time with your loved ones is always important. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, very cool. Uh, if you don't mind us asking, what what uh, what were your finals in? Uh, psychology. Ooh. Yes. Very nice. Now, would that be would that be math psychology? No, <laughs> no, I already have a PhD in that. <laughs> Although that that is an important uh, an important skill for for those out there seeking to become, you know professional wrestlers yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely well thank you for coming on leith what, what have you been up to here recently oh you know this and that <laughs> i helped out with the uh the last excellence professional wrestling show which was amazing i was there selling merch and doing pretty much anything i could do to help out and uh, it's been really fun being there, their intern, and getting to help put together shows and stuff. So, mm-hmm. learning a lot, and I hope to continue on that path. <laughs> well, we love excellence professional wrestling here at the Wrestling Time Machine. There's some there's some good people there, and it's the only professional wrestling organization that's run by a cat. Yes, a very nice cat. <laughs> very nice cat. <laughs> that's, uh, that's pretty great. Well, uh, your boy has been pretty busy. Like I said, you know, we've we've moved since the last time we recorded, uh, and uh, you know, we we have been up to quite a lot. Uh, most recently, we got to go to the Ohio Toy and Game Show, 
uh, about a weekend or two ago up here in Columbus, and I got to meet Sergeant Slaughter. I got Cobra clutched by Sergeant Slaughter, and I got to meet Meng. Or, I'm so jealous about that one. Yeah, I like I saw him, but I didn't actually like meet him. Both of them were were very nice, very professional. Uh, Ming was actually surprisingly a little quiet, a little bit more reserved. But uh, again, just both of them were were super great, and we got some autographs and had a really good time. And uh, we actually, uh, I'm working on some video from that show. Uh, be sure to check out the Nerdfix Strangers YouTube channel for video of that show. And I think we might be gearing up to go to another show here soon, so fingers crossed. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a lot of fun getting to go to those kind of things. So Very cool. Yeah, really, really looking forward to that. And... Other than that, and sort of like working my way through our November 1995 watch list, haven't been up to, to a whole heck of a lot, but uh, that's that's what we've been up to recently. So, Leo, you're our guest. I know it's uh, it's early where you are. Yes, very <laughs> early. I'm very caffeinated. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> that could, That should make this a lot more interesting, then. <laughs> what what's your preferred method of of intaking caffeine in the morning? Coffee? Uh, I actually don't like coffee, and generally speaking, I wouldn't uh, be taking in caffeine at this hour. But I I just slammed back a Pepsi. Breakfast of champions. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's the choice of a new generation. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, very cool. Leith, what about you? What's your favorite method of caffeine intake? Oh, I'm a coffee person. Coffee I person. always have been. I started drinking coffee when I was like eight, which is probably why I'm like really short. That's how that works, right? <laughs> you know, it's so weird. There were, like, when I was growing up, uh, my sister and a cousin of mine were just like, I mean, they, they were, you know, younger than me. They were about two years younger each. And they were just like obsessed with drinking coffee. And it's like I, d I never got it. It's so awful. Mm, yep, I, that's I, how I feel about it. I don't know if it's like an acquired taste or if it's just like you're either born with it or you're not. But I remember my brother giving me like the rest of his cup and he used to drink coffee black. Mm -hmm. And I would I like downed it and I was like asking for more. And I think he was like just shocked <laughs> that like I actually liked it, you know. <laughs> Yo, most kids. He, he learned his lesson. <laughs> most kids grow up. They're wanting like Kool Aid or Hawaiian Punch or Sunny D. Leith's over here, like, no, give me the Folgers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, now, do you still drink your coffee black, or do you do you cream? Usually, okay. no. Usually, I drink it black. Yeah. Okay. My wife's the same way. It's like only at, like if it's like really terrible coffee. <laughs> do I add? Uh, probably like French vanilla creamer, yeah. but if it's just like normal coffee that's decent, I'll drink it black. Okay, yeah, I I don't do uh, I don't do coffee. Uh, really, I'm I'm more of a uh, cocoa person. Mm, I like tea as well. Yeah, I've I've got I've got like one. I, I all of my teeth are just you know sweet teeth. Like I just 
I don't even just have one. Like, I just, I need sugar. Uh, so, like, if I if I do coffee, I'm going to go to a place like Starbucks and get, like, one of those, you know, I'm going to be an awful person and get one of those, like, secret recipe drinks, like the, the butterbeer frappuccino or, like, the s'mores, you know, something like that. Oh, God. Where, like... <laughs> it's like dessert. That's not yeah. even coffee. You say that's, that's like dessert, <laughs> like it's a bad thing. Dessert's, like, usually the best part of a meal. Come on. But that can't... It just, it's just not like a drink you drink. Like, that's just like, like, I would go there for like a dessert after a meal. To, to, <laughs> but like, just to have it as like a regular drink is just crazy to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that's what, like, that's the closest I get to drinking coffee, where it's like, it's coffee strictly like in name only. <laughs> At that point. There's no no actual coffee at it. <laughs> right. But, uh, no, this morning had some Count Chocula, because, of course, it's that time of year, and all those cereals are out, and I do love me some Count Chocula. <laughs> but, uh, you know, thank you for, for coming on, Leo. Uh, you might have just stumbled upon an actual breakfast podcast. <laughs> that might be what this is now. <laughs> so... Let's get to know you, Leo. Uh, how did you get into professional wrestling as a fan? Okay. Um, well, I grew up, I'm 33, so I grew up uh, when the Attitude Era, I would have been a young, uh, in my early teens. And my mm-hmm. papa, who I was living with at the time, forbid me from watching that garbage, as he called it. Oh, no. He didn't want, yeah, he didn't want to corrupt my young mind. Um. But he did have some old tapes of Johnny Saint and Big Daddy and Giant Haystacks and, and those types of guys. Mm-hmm. So that's what I sort of got into first. And then once I made friends in high school and uh, my first uh, relationship with university, mm-hmm. I, I discovered that those were currency and I could trade those tapes for different <laughs> tapes. And then I got into uh, pro wrestling Noah in the early 2000s. And then I eventually started watching the WWE regularly once I had uh, grown to the point where my papa wouldn't have been bothered so much. And the first episode of SmackDown I watched live as it happened was Brock Lesnar versus Kurt Angle in the Iron Man match. Nice. So that gives you a time frame of when I actually was able to start watching WWE on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Everything else I've had to watch like re- retroactively, which is mind-blowing to some of the people I work with. Because, uh, for example, Bret Hart has been directly involved in one of my matches, and I never once watched him wrestle growing up. Well, very cool. I mean, that's. I mean, you could do a lot worse than say Johnny Saint or or Brock Lesnar versus Kurt Angle. Those are some great athletic competitions. Yeah, I was immediately uh, enamored with Brock Lesnar. I'd never seen somebody like that before. And Kurt is obviously a machine. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. He he was a a wrestling machine at, at that right around that time period, like really when SmackDown was sort of flourishing and going through uh, a bit of a 
a renaissance where it was just like you had Eddie Guerrero, you had Kurt Angle, Brock Lesnar, The Undertaker. I mean, they, they had some phenomenal talent and just some great matches going on on SmackDown at that time. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Maybe a fan. <laughs> I can remember that's uh, that's one of the first wrestling shows I got to go to live was a was a SmackDown taping, and this was when Zach Gowan was around. Oh yeah, in uh, in SmackDown, and uh, I believe we saw I think it was supposed to be like a handicap match Zach Gowan and Brock Lesnar versus like the Big Show Kurt Angle and I'm not sure who the third person was but yeah it, it was a really great great show to go see uh never as a as a big undertaker fan myself like a, never gonna forget seeing him come out on the on the motorcycle live that was just great <laughs> so uh that said you know who who were some of your favorite wrestlers sort of like growing up or or as you started getting more into wrestling i know you mentioned uh, Brock Lesnar, would you say he's still uh, a personal favorite, or have your tastes changed and evolved since then? Uh, as far as the WWE is concerned, I think I'll always have a fondness for Brock, as I feel he's just he's there's something special about him as an attraction, mm -hmm. even if sometimes his matches are not necessarily the most uh, let's say move for move work rate, whatever you want to call it, impressive as other people are, mm -hmm. those people are probably not as much of a spectacle just by their existence as Brock Lesnar is. Um, so he, he always has a spot. <laughs> um, but otherwise, when I was growing up, I first, I really loved Big Daddy, and I really hated Giant Haystacks. <laughs> he, um, for those who are unfamiliar, like, Big Daddy is the English Hulk Hogan, and Haystacks is, I don't know, the English Iron Sheik, <laughs> and they would always wrestle each other. Mm. Um, once I got older, I, I didn't like them as much because their matches never made it out of the first round, and they usually took about three, sec <laughs> three <laughs> seconds, 30 seconds, because they couldn't uh, wrestle. Well, well uh, Haystacks could more so than Big Daddy, but once I got older, and especially once I started training, I really started to like Johnny Saint and really appreciate him, uh, Jim Brakes, Steve Gray, Flash Gordon, um, and I also really loved a lot of the Japanese wrestlers I was watching, but particularly Misawa and uh, Steve Carino, mm. although... He's not Japanese. I knew him first from his excursions in Japan. Yeah, I mean those are those are awesome. I I'm not super familiar with the British wrestling scene. I'll I'll admit to that, but I do know uh, a little bit about Johnny Saint, and I know I've heard the names Big Daddy and and uh, Haystacks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, uh, uh, Johnny works at the uh, perform um, with the WWE now. Oh, that's he's their, that's great. Yeah, he's their um, he's the NXT UK commissioner. Oh, that's very cool. I'm yeah. I am regrettably woefully behind on NXT. I'm, <laughs> I'm, 
I like I'm watching 2016 NXT. I think still. So like I, I don't even I don't even know where I'm at with any of that stuff. Like <laughs> I'm a I'm a terrible WWE fan. Like I'm I, not really one, I guess. Yeah, like I I just finished uh, the Cruiserweight Classic, and that was that was really cool. I became a Kota Ibushi fan, and oh, he's great. Yeah, uh, and I definitely just fell deeper in love with Zack Saber Jr. throughout all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the guy I really wanted to win. Um, yeah. If I was, yeah. Uh, I was really behind him, and I was really excited for the the matchup with Noam Dar because I've mm-hmm. seen them do that a hundred times, maybe on the indies from various promotions. To finally see them do that on the big stage was fantastic. Um, the final I really wanted to see though was actually Zach's first round match. Uh, he wrestled a guy named textbook Tyson Dukes, who was the only Canadian. Mm-hmm. And he is a guy who is fantastic. And he's always been so close to really breaking through, getting signed somewhere big. And just something happens. And uh, he gets some bad luck. Like, for example, there was a time where he was doing so many enhancement matches on Velocity and stuff like that that Shane McMahon thought he was signed. Wow. Uh, and right as he was about to um, get signed, he was in a match with um, Mark Jindrak, and something happened uh, to his knee, and it just blew oh. out. Mm. And It's always been stuff like that for him. He was going to be in Ring of Honor for a while. In fact, that was the first time I ever saw him live. In fact, this was the first time I ever saw him ever. I went to uh, I live in Winnipeg and I drove out to Toronto to um, to see a Ring of Honor show because Lance Storm was in the main event uh, I think against Chris Hero mm. and I didn't know anyone else on the card at the time nobody <laughs> uh, and I saw Tyson Dukes wrestle um, Tyler Black who would go on to become Seth Rollins and it was so awesome that after the show, I was thinking to myself, like, that Tyson guy, he's got to be, like, a world champion or something. <laughs> when I found out he was just the local guy they brought in <laughs> because <laughs> Seth's opponent couldn't make it, totally blew my mind. Uh, been following him ever since. And uh, the other funny thing is Kenny was on that show. Mm. And... Uh, Little did I know that years later, I would have a feud with him that has lasted six years. (laughs) Small world. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Well, I think we're actually going to be gearing up to see Giant Haystacks with what we're watching for uh, either November or December of 1995, because he does make an appearance as a member of the Dungeon of Doom. Spoiler alerts. Oh, I... uh... I gotta tell you, my knowledge of WCW is even more limited than the <laughs> WWE. <laughs> it's probably for the best. Yeah. <laughs> I know, like uh, Liger was there, and yeah. like I kind of yeah. know the essential pieces, but I've never like watched it on. Like I have no connection to Sting or <laughs> or Ric Flair or kind of any of the stalwarts, but. I've seen seeked out some of 
those Dean Malenko matches. That's the oh, stuff. Yeah. Yeah, D- Malenko matches are the cream of the crop when we're watching uh, WCW. Those are some those are some great bright spots. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, at, most definitely. And yeah. you know, I, while the Cruiserweight Classic wasn't my first exposure to to Zack Saber, my my first exposure there would be uh, watching his. Uh, matches over I think through season 17 and 18 with uh, someone you have an upcoming match with Mike Quackenbush uh, in Mm. Chikara and those were some clinics in professional technical wrestling yep he is the modern if Johnny Saint was wrestling today I very much think he would be somewhere in the line of what Zack Sabre Jr. is doing Mm-hmm. And uh, it just so happens that me and him are very similar in build. And obviously, I'm I'm not as good as he is. I strive to be, but stylistically, we are very similar. Mm. So I'm a huge fan of him mm-hmm. and Pete. Uh, Marcel Bartel, I think is his WWE name. Mm. <laughs> Love those guys. Yeah, I... After watching the Cruiserweight Classic, there there were some definite standouts there. Like I, I became a very big fan of Gentleman Jack Gallagher. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, the way he kind of folded up, uh, I believe it was Tazawa, into that knot and just like left him there <laughs> was so great. <laughs> yeah. It's a uh... I first saw that spot by a guy named Milano Collection AT. Hmm. He was a Japanese guy in the uh, New Japan, I want to say Cruiserweight division, whose gimmick was that he was an Italian fashion designer, and he walked an invisible dog to the ring, and he had like models with him all the time. He had ridiculous uh, entrance gear. It's, he's amazing. I highly recommend watching him if you can. That. Sounds absolutely amazing. I'm gonna have to have you send me that name on Twitter so I can I can remember it because that sounds fantastic. Yeah, think of him as almost a Japanese uh, like New Japan version of Tyler Breeze, only way before <laughs> Tyler. <laughs> it's really good. Uh, yes. Yeah. Well, very cool. Very cool. Leith, uh, do you have any any questions? Before well, we move I've, on, um, you have a like vlog, correct? Yes, I, I guess uh, you call it that. Like, uh, it's called Glitter and Armbars. Like, correct me if I'm wrong. This has yep, been a absolutely. while since I did my research. I'm sorry. That's <laughs> no, okay. How, how did all that come to be? Like, what made you decide to to go that route? Um. Well. For, the main thing is I have started to notice I have huge gaps in my memory when it comes to wrestling, probably from getting dropped on my head. But I wanted <laughs> I wanted it as a way of, first of all, remembering these things um, to document uh, to my experiences and things like that in wrestling and even how I was feeling about them at the time because retroactively I might change my opinion or what have you. And uh, 
my girlfriend, Ella Blake, uh, wanted to be involved, and she wanted to do something on YouTube anyway, so we just started doing it, uh, and I honestly didn't think we would get five views. I thought no one would care, but uh, I'm very happy with the numbers we've gotten so far, and uh, hopefully we can expand on it as I hopefully do more interesting things in my career, but I won't. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, everybody who's listening to this, go check out that YouTube channel and hit that subscribe button. And while you're at it, do the same thing with Nerdfix Strangers. <laughs> yes, please do. Uh, <laughs> I talk a lot about my wrestling career. Um, my struggles with mental health and stuff have come up. Um, sexuality has come up. Sexism particularly on Ella Blake's side. Um, just talked about all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, it sounds like a, a very good uh, very good vlog. And, I mean, so oftentimes, you know, those kind of issues don't really get touched on, don't really get talked about. Yeah. Um, especially in the wrestling business, where it's kind of frowned upon to show any kind of vulnerability. At least it used to be. I think it's changing slowly now, but... I noticed a lot more wrestlers have come out and talked about mental health issues, and there's, you know, like, uh, promotions like Dropkick Depression and different things that seem to really be trying to reach out and be like, it's okay to talk about this kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm very glad that it's changing. Even from when I started to now, it is drastically different. Um, uh, particularly in that department and in the sexism department, it mm-hmm. used to be a lot worse. And even though it's better now, I still think the business has a lot farther to go. Um, for example, one of the local companies, uh, the owner and some of the higher-ups like, sexually harassed Ella. Oh, jeez. now she doesn't want to go back. Can't blame her. But, <laughs> yeah, but they always say, like, oh, it's because Leo won't let her. It's not oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Forget the fact that you sexually harassed her. It's just because I forbid her to go, which isn't true. If she wanted to go, she could, but doesn't why want would to. You wanna, yeah, why would you want to work for a company that, that acts like that? That's insane. Exactly, but you know, <laughs> that's that's the drama of the wrestling industry. It's so, it's like being in high school sometimes. Mm. <laughs> I, I think I'm, that that's kind of like a lot of industries, sadly. Like my my husband works for a hospital, and and sometimes it's the the same thing. It's like almost like a popularity contest on like who gets promotions and different things. On this, like, it's a hospital. Like you think they would be more. Professional, professional yeah. but no, people are just people. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, it, it's sad because it's like you you would expect more from these professionals, but yep, you would think, but no. <laughs> um, I, luckily, I have become very selective over who I will work for and work with, and the locker rooms. I'm a part of now are just extremely supportive instead of people complaining about why does this person get this opportunity? Mm -hmm. It's, it's nothing, but I'm very glad 
and happy that you got that opportunity and I can't for you to succeed. And That's it's just awesome. a it totally changes how I feel about the business because I've been so close to quitting. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's something like I've I've talked to so many wrestlers through my myriad of wrestling related jobs that I, I hear that a lot. Like so many people are just like ready to call it quits, and it's just because of who they're working with and for, and not necessarily. Like their their love of wrestling hasn't gone away. It's just dealing with people that are totally negative energy is just not good for anyone. Yep, I often say I love wrestling and hate being a wrestler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, just got to be more selective over who I uh, allow into my friend circle. Right. Once I once I did that, I was fine, and I just. Stop caring about what anybody outside that circle says or thinks. That's a good freeing. way to go about it. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. It's very freeing. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes you do just gotta cut that negativity, that that tox, that toxicity out of your life. Yeah, and it, it's tough sometimes. Cause I'm I, like, I'm personally one of those people that just sees the good in everyone. <laughs> so it's like. When I when I meet somebody that has that toxic influence in my life, I don't always cut them out because I don't remember the bad as easily. Yeah. So it's like I'm cool. always trying to give somebody like I'll, I'll give them another chance and another chance, and it's like I gotta stop doing that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, some people are not worthy of that other chance, but some people are. So it's uh it's always figuring it out. Yeah, that it, is the hard part. <laughs> it's like usually it, it, you get like three chances with me, and if you're just <laughs> making me miserable all the time, I'm like, it's not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to get better with it. <laughs> That's good. You know what's going to make you happy in the long term, though. So you just have to remember that. Right, right. Yeah, yeah it's... Uh, I- like like Leith said, it's it's not always easy, and it can sometimes be be very hard. But I mean, again, you just at the end of the day, you have you have a responsibility to yourself, and mm-hmm. you have to do you know what what you got to do. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're you're the only person you're going to be with for the rest of your life, so <laughs> you yeah. got to make sure you're taking care of you first. Yes, absolutely. I always say. Um, that somebody's words only have as much influence on on you as you allow that person to have. Mm-hmm. So deny anybody who would abuse that power, that power, and you'll find your life is much happier. Right, right. It's really easy to say. It's a lot harder to do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Uh, Leah. Uh, yes. You mentioned before that we do have a listener question. Do you have any other questions before we jump into that? Oh, I have tons of questions always. Okay. <laughs> uh, I know, um, Leo, you went over it on episode 11 of Glitter and Arm Bars, but could you tell our fans how you got your match with Mike Quackenbush? Like how that oh. all came to be. Oh, yeah, sure. Um so, I've been a fan of Mike Quackenbush ever since I discovered him. 
and uh, he announced um, that he was going to do a 25th anniversary tour and wrestle exactly 25 matches and said that there was a few spots open to wrestle people that he doesn't know as the anniversary tour was mainly people who he had a connection with and would be special to him makes a lot of sense um but when i saw the opportunity that he had opened up for other people i without asking any of the promoters i worked for (laughs) i hit pause before he finished saying the sentence and sent him a message um and I just wanted to make sure, even if I, if he couldn't do the match or he couldn't find time or it didn't work out, I just wanted him to know how important he was to me and my career. But fortunately, he did choose to get back to me. And, um, and I was very ecstatic that he did. And then several minutes of panic kicked in as I realized that I don't have a venue or, for, or a promotion for this <laughs> match to take place in. Um, but luckily, Andrew, the owner of PCW, my home promotion, jumped at the opportunity immediately and everything very quickly fell into place. And uh, now the time is upon us and I wrestle uh, my hero tomorrow. Hmm. <laughs> and uh, how ready do you feel? Uh, very. <laughs> uh, this is... Uh, this is in my wheelhouse like stylistically um the technical style is my my focus i should say i'm so focused on the technical aspects of wrestling that's to a fault i should say i i'm so focused on it it's a detriment to everything else and when my opponents tell me oh i don't do counter wrestling I just go, uh, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I, I don't do um, moves. <laughs> so, um, I'm going to be very comfortable stylistically. Uh, I just, the only thing I'm worried about is obviously I want to impress. I don't want to just get by. I want to impress and have him not think that I'm trash afterwards. As long as he, could, as long as he says, you are at least passable. I will accept that. <laughs> um, and as for the pressure, uh, I'm used to high-pressure situations. Uh, I wrestled uh, Kenny Omega while he was the IWGP heavyweight champion for the Omega Man documentary uh, with Don Callis as my manager, which we were not even told about until we were going out. And, uh, yeah, that was probably the most high pressure match I've ever been in. Um, So I think I'm good to go. I'm feeling pretty confident. And I think I've studied him enough over the years to know how to beat him. Well, there's certainly no shortage of available material to study when it comes to uh, someone like Mike Quackenbush. Exactly. Um, He's a master of a thousand holds. And I've seen them all. He's going to need a thousand and one. <laughs> like, you can't beat me with a Chikara special. I know how to get out. Hell, I know how to do it. So, <laughs> yeah, he's going to have to come up with something new if he's going to pull one over on me in my backyard. 
but I'm very excited for him to try. You're sort of a, a, a lockpick specialist. You can get out of just about anything. Yes. Um, people have called it the escapology style. And oh, I like I that. Just, yeah. <laughs> I kind of accept that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Very cool. Uh, Leith, any, any other questions? Well, besides uh, Mike Quackenbush, uh, what other dream matches would you have? Oof. Mike is kind of the big one. Um, so I would say there are five pillars to my wrestling career, like influence-wise. Manami Toyota, who has retired. Mitsuharu mm-hmm. Masawa, who has unfortunately passed away. Mike Quackenbush, who I will wrestle, Steve Carino, who I did wrestle, and Daniel Bryan. So I would say Daniel Bryan. (laughs) (laughs) He is my absolute favorite. I love him. He's by far the most entertaining person in the WWE right now. Um, His his storyline with Kofi, phenomenal. That whole character, and even him... Even him calling Kofi a B-plus player is a like the huge callback to Triple H calling him a B-plus player. Mm-hmm. It sh- continues the arc of his character turning to this disgusting human being. It's fantastic. He did such a good job. And uh, they finally put him in a position that he deserved to be in. Yes, they, they absolutely... I mean, they, they did that both with... Uh, Daniel Bryan and Kofi. Yeah, uh, absolutely. To put them, to, uh, put them in those positions. Very much... What a match. Yeah, yeah. Uh, very much long-deserved for both of them. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's been a great ride to watch. Um. All right. Uh <laughs> <laughs> We're professionals. Next question. <laughs> it's early. Okay, it everyone. We're, we're all... It is. I'm like trying to organize my thoughts and my notes, and I'm like all over the place. Well, while Leith is, is organizing her notes, let, let, let's get to know you a little bit better, Leo. How did you get into professional wrestling as a talent? Um, well, I became interested in it, uh, because I always wanted to entertain and it was either going to be this or a magician. And once I learned a few magic tricks and realized that if I become a magician, it's not magic anymore. I just gave up. I put it in a box. (laughs) That's kind of how I feel about wrestling. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. I, I feel I still feel that way about wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one summer, I needed a summer activity um, be, during un- my first uh, stay at university, way back when. Uh, and I just went to training that summer as a summer activity because I wasn't good enough at footy to make it on the university team. So I gave up. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And after that, I didn't do anything with it for years. I just took the summer of training and kind of sat on it and just enjoyed the experience. And then many years later, once I had moved uh, back to Canada, I really got involved with the local scene and just saw what was up, uh, figured I could get a place, and turns out I could. And then I slowly start building uh, a reputation of being able to be a quality performer. And I would say a name for myself, but truth be told, I didn't pick, choose my name, so I can't really say I did that for myself. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to be uh, Leo Lundos after a very famous Greek wrestler, Jim Lundos, um, the Golden Greek, who popularized the Boston Crab for all the historians out there. Um, but the promoter I said that to said, uh, I can't pronounce that. And I went, what? <laughs> uh, so he just goes, you're Leo London now. And I went, I'm Greek. Why <laughs> Why is my name London? That's a city in England. That doesn't make any sense. And he just said, nobody knows that's in Europe. And I went, yeah, but it's two different countries. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I lost that fight. And then it just stuck after that. <laughs> Unfortunately, sometimes you got to pick your battles, and even <laughs> even when you pick the right one, you might uh, you might still come out come out short. Yeah, I mean, he was booking me, right? So it was on the famous Tony Candelo Death Tours. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard Edge and Christian talk about those. I haven't. Um, so there's there are these famous tours in Canada where you go out to the very northern part of Canada, to all the, uh, just under Nunavut, if you're familiar with Canadian um, provinces, locations. It's mm -hmm. very cold. It takes a very long time to get there. The communities are very small, and uh, the only way, way you can drive there is in the winter when all the lakes are frozen. So Tony Candela would do these tours, and he had tons of famous people on them throughout their uh, his tenure. Edge, Christian, Rhino, Chris Jericho, uh, Chris Sabin, a lot of those guys from Detroit, like Alex Shelley and stuff, probably, mm -hmm. I can't say for sure, Shelley, but I know Sabin. He was in. He was involved with the AWA for a while at one point. Uh, so he's like a a big deal locally per se. And I was on one of these tours, uh, and he was the one to dub me Leo London, and then it just stuck. And when it's him, there's nothing I can do about it. <laughs> Especially because the the canvas that I was wrestling on was one of the old AWA canvases, and I was wrestling on the same mat that Mr. Perfect had wrestled on. And oh, that's awesome. very cool. Yes. Um, he's one of the guys I, I've liked the most retroactively watching the WWE. A lot, a lot of that old, like, 90s stuff and 80s stuff, and let's face it, the Attitude Era, I, I just can't watch. I, I, I don't like it very much. Um, 
but Mr. Perfect is on another level compared to just about everybody that he was around at the time. Uh, how he was never WWE champion boggles my mind. <laughs> I would have strapped the rocket to him, main event, Let's put him out there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Mr. Mr. Perfect is is very. I mean, like you said, he's on a completely just different level. Well, he's perfect. He, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, he he absolutely is perfect. <laughs> uh, I mean, you, uh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, have you seen that clip of him um, throwing his towel over his shoulder and having it land perfectly on Bobby Heenan's shoulder? <laughs> yeah, I think I think I've seen that. Like everything he does is amazing. <laughs> yes. when he made when he made his comeback uh, in the Royal Rumble that one year, and everybody, if you watch really closely, everybody comes up and they're all like pressing against him, and you see him spit his gum out like straight up. And swat it behind him so it hits the barricade, all the mm-hmm. while fighting off a whole bunch of guys. Yep. <laughs> he's amazing. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's he's pretty great. I've always been a, a big fan of Kurt Hennig for as as long as I can remember. And just a big fan of the of the fisherman suplex. Yeah, great move. Yeah. That's actually like one of my one of my favorite moves. I, I know it wasn't necessarily a a Mr. Perfect move, but I mean, again, obviously it it evolves from the fisherman suplex, and that's the spinning fisherman suplex or fisherman's neckbreaker, as it's sometimes called. Oh, the one where they turn inside. Yeah, I believe so. Okay, yeah, um, I like that move as well. It's it's one of those ones where I I wish I could do, but. Uh... Realistically, I'm not going to be hitting that on guys. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it's one of those things where it's like if if I was a wrestler, like yeah, because I think I think that's part of just like wish fulfillment. Being a wrestling fan, like we all kind of put together our own sort of like uh, characters and and move sets together, especially you know with the the different wrestling games that that are out there. Like I would. Wanna, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, Leith knows. <laughs> I'm sure she's got probably a couple uh, creator wrestlers of the of the sensational Leith on there. Oh, well, I always had to I always had to make guys. Yeah. Because you can't wrestle the girls against the guys <laughs> in mm. any of the the WWE games. So it's like I always had to make a a dude version of me. <laughs> That's we need it's, to come back to that. <laughs> because I'm, I'm, now I'm very curious, but it, it's like I know, like my character would be like I would want to do kind of something similar to Gold Dust, right? Where it's like very sort of like film centric, and the spinning fisherman suplex is kind of like up there as far as like what I would want my finisher to be. One of one of mine, you know, one of say like two. Uh, two or three. <laughs> Leith, okay. what, what was your guys like? What were your guys like? Now I'm curious. Like, as far as, like, what? Like, character and, and finishing move. Oh, I don't... I'm trying to remember. It's been a while since I've made one. But, yeah, I have... Because the WWE games, like... Like, I get that, like, they're all like, eh, intergender or whatever. But, I'm like, can you at least make it for the games that we can 
wrestle the girls against the the guys because like I wanted to make a create a character of like me, but then I couldn't play in any of the matches. So I basically uh I made the one guy to look like Remy from uh, Street Fighter. <laughs> <laughs> so that was like my my character who's just kind of like murderous and creepy and wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> And I think I gave him, like, Jeff Hardy's moveset for the most part. Okay. Which so, is kind of not really, like, my style. Yeah, and you kind of like, you kind of hate flippies. Right, but I them. love Jeff Hardy. Yeah, okay. no, I'm not, I'm not a flippy person. I think, like, realistically, like, if I was to become a wrestler being, you know, tiny and all that, I'd probably have to do flippies. But I always like the the actual, like, more, like, traditional like Matt style wrestlers like angle and that so that that's what I'd want to do see I mission specialists and all that that's that's more my jam see I I kind of like a, a CM Punk kind of move set where there's some brawling but there's also room for for the technical aspect I never was a fan of punk sorry to say everybody <laughs> it's an unpopular opinion from like 10 years ago it's fine yeah yeah like when people are like oh he's gonna come back for AEW I'm like I really hope not <laughs> I'm like the only person I'm like please don't no I mean I'm like I'm kind of in the same boat and I say that even as like a CM Punk fan like okay the the time period for him to be like a huge thing in wrestling is, is probably past we can move on as a community like, he's, like, so out of practice by now, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't think I'd... I'm not ready for that. <laughs> Although, kudos to him, because he's, he's stepping out and trying new things. Like, he did he did try the, the mixed martial arts, and now he's doing a horror movie. So, I mean, kudos to him. Indeed. Yep, he's going to find his happiness. Uh, yeah. Doesn't lay in wrestling anymore, apparently. And he's living his life. He's oh. he, he's doing what he what he wants to do. So I mean, good on him. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Leo, you know we're we've, we're talking a little bit about wrestling games. Did you play a lot of the any of the wrestling video games growing up? Um. Yes and no. Okay. <laughs> um, I didn't play a lot of the more typical ones. Okay. But I did play a lot of was called Virtual Pro Wrestling 2, hmm. which is no mercy, but it's All Japan and New Japan and those guys. In fact, it is so much no mercy that it's literally just no mercy is actually Virtual Pro Wrestling 2 with WWE skins. <laughs> ah, okay. That's that's why you see guy the the burning hammer and the emerald flosion and all those the, those are Japanese guys finisher um, moves are in that game is because it is that game. <laughs> um, I love they, when they used to do crap like that. <laughs> yeah, <so> cheesy. <laughs> they made the uh, story mode much more um, appealing to North American fans. And uh, they took out the MMA mode and put in the ladder match. And I think there were some other changes, too, that I can't remember. Oh, um, in traditional, like, uh, big 
Japanese shows, they would walk from the back locker room. All that stuff is in there. And they did traditional um, wrestling entrances, too, where they say, like, in this corner, so-and-so, in that corner, so-and-so. All that stuff was in there. Uh, it was absent from No Mercy. So I can still whoop people's ass in No Mercy because I played the crap out of virtual pro wrestling, too. Um, but I didn't uh, grow up on it like others may have. Mm. Oh, the other big thing that's missing is the super finisher, which is in uh, Virtual Pro Wrestling 2. The super finisher. Now, how is that different than a regular finisher? All right. Uh, so in like 90s um, strong style, or you could kind of see it today a little bit, but it's a little bit less common now. Um like a lot of people associate the burning hammer with Kenta Kobashi and they say it's his finisher, but he only did that eight times in his entire career. It wasn't his finisher. It was his super finisher. So we know triple H has the pedigree and Austin has the stunner, but once guys kick out of those, what do they do? They just hit the stunner again. Well, okay. Kobashi would use the burning lariat. That was his primary finisher for the longest time. Let's say he hits the burning lariat and the guy kicks out of it. Well, now he's got to hit you with the burning hammer, so he has to go up from his regular finisher into his super finish. Which is why mm. you don't you don't you didn't see it as much because he didn't have to go there all the time. He only had to go there in like really big matches against his biggest opponents. Um, like Misawa had the Emerald Flosion Kai, which you didn't see very much at all, and it was disgustingly nasty to see it <laughs> okay okay i think i'm starting to to get an idea here so uh to do it in the game you would hit the joystick just like to go in your special mode uh -huh. and you could pick the guy up do the strong apple and then your special just like a regular special um and then hit the joystick again and you'd go into burning mode and then you'd be able to hit whatever your super finisher was, be it the Burning Hammer, Emerald Flotion Kai, uh, whatever it might be. Um, so it, it, that was always super cool to me, and then I was really disappointed when it wasn't at the WWE version of the game. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's very interesting. That's a very... I've never really... I mean, and I suppose I wouldn't be, because like you said, like that wasn't something you really saw on the American professional wrestling scene, I mean, you, you still don't even really see something like that. Uh, so that's that's very fascinating. That's such a, a neat development in, in the psychology of a, of a match. Uh, yeah. Um, I guess um, I paid a lot of attention to it growing up, like that particular... It's I think it's called King's Road style now. Hmm. Um, but basically, it's what a lot of people would call strong style. Mm -hmm. um, that's what I wanted to be when I first started uh, training. In my mind, I was going to be a 90s uh, all-Japan-style heavyweight. And eventually, I had to accept that my metabolic rate was not going to allow that to happen. <laughs> and uh, I kind of reeled reeled back on me taking those kinds of bumps unnecessarily for no reason. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, just be, yeah, something I've always missed, 
and I think is missing from today's wrestling. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, again, just like knowing that, uh, that there are so many different styles of professional wrestling. Yes. There, there really is just something for everybody. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, um, man, I don't think anybody does it the same. Like, everybody's going to do things a little bit differently. People even run the ropes differently. It's, it's yeah. crazy. <laughs> um, All right, Leith, any, any other questions uh, real quick? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I always have questions and my brain is not functioning. I am so sorry, everyone. But what uh, what would you say is one of your favorite matches you've wrestled to date? Ooh, my favorite match I've res- wrestled? Yes. Um, uh, so I would say tomorrow, but that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> so, um, what immediately comes to mind is a match I had against a guy named Mike McSugar. Uh, we had had a feud for a long time building to this match um and to give all the backstory when i first debuted with the company the crowd was not very responsive to my style of wrestling mostly because nobody else was doing it at all so they didn't really know what the like they didn't seem to react or maybe they didn't even know what the octopus was for example but because he was such a good heel and so good at selling the holds and everything like that, eventually it really got over. And because he was always doing dastardly things to escape tapping out when the referee was watching. So he would, he would tap out, but I wouldn't win the match because the referee wasn't looking. He would always oh, swindle no. his way out of it. So it built up to this big submission match where we were doing um, callbacks to all the ways he had managed to weasel his way out of being seen, we called back to each of them, and this time my character was the wiser, and he was like wise to all this stuff, so it never worked out, and I always kind of one-upped him. And uh, the crowd just biting on everything they were doing and finally getting it, and yelling like, tap, 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 every time I had him. And I was like, ah, we, it took us six months but we trained them. <laughs> <laughs> and then it it came it came all came together so well and I'm I'm very proud of that match uh to this day. That sounds awesome. Yeah, that <laughs> sounds amazing. I um <laughs> is, there, is there is there somewhere where people can watch that? Oh, it's absolute it's on my YouTube channel. Uh this same one as my YouTube show. Um I think you just have to search Leo London versus Mike McSugar uh, submission match because we wrestled each other several times leading into it, but the submission match is the big blow off. Very cool. It's it's less of me doing the finesse technical stuff because at this point my character is like really pissed off, so it's the first time you'll even see me like throw strikes outside of the cr- like in the crowd. Um, so. That was unique for them as well because they saw I like displaying a change in my character's attitude. Like, um, so everyone else was doing a very happy, you know, high five everybody on their way to the ring, baby face, high energy, all that stuff. And I 
decided to be different, I'm going to be very calm and walk to the ring and like shake everybody's hand at ringside and thank them for coming, which builds an, a personal connection between me and them. And then as a gentleman, originally the joke was supposed to be that I'm from like the 1500s. So that's why I was talking that way. And uh, that didn't register. Like, they didn't understand it. So I just, okay, I'm a, I'm a gentleman. They'll get it. So I never swore or anything like that. And when the fans would be like, you know, one more effing time, I would actually stop and go like, please, no cussing during my matches. And then everyone would laugh. And <laughs> like, um, all that stuff. So when they saw me get mad and start throwing, like, uh, strikes in the audience or even hitting them at all really they they were biting on it and it's just everything i loved about wrestling coming together and one of my favorite matches of all time well i think i think i found the match here i'm going to drop it in our chat maybe we can uh include that with the show notes so that uh people can can go check out your wonderful work and uh i believe we do have a listener question from uh, this was sent to Leith by Blue, uh, by friend of the show, uh, Blue Ray Mysterio, and he asked, "Let's see here if I can pull it up. What would be a wrestler from the time period that would go together uh, well with a band that we enjoy?" And I'm, I, what I, what I believe uh, Blue Ray Mysterio is asking, and, and Blue, if I, if I get this wrong, I'm, I'm sorry. But I believe what he's asking is, what wrestler from the, the time period Leith and I are, are covering, which right now is uh, 1995, would, go, would, would fit well with a band that we enjoy? And uh, we'll kind of roundtable this. Leo, since, since you're our guest, we'll let you go first. I know you don't know a whole lot about uh, the 1990s, so let's just say uh, pick a wrestler that you really enjoy that, you think would go well with a band that you like? Oof. Uh, I'm trying to think of what was just so the band doesn't have to be from 1995. No, just no. any band. Just any. Band. Okay. Okay, that's a lot easier. Um, let's put Raven with. Iron Maiden. Okay. <laughs> That's an interesting... Well, he kind of looks the part. Long hair, kind of. Ripped jeans, all that stuff. He looks like a metal guy from the 90s. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, can, I, can, sing, I, I can get behind that. They sing long, poetic songs, and Raven likes to speak in kind of a poetic manner. Hell, his name is based off a poem. And they tell stories, and Raven was mainly a storyteller as a wrestler. So, yeah. Okay. Leith, what about you? I'm going to go in a weird direction. I'm going to put, like, Macho Man with La Tigra, because it makes no sense whatsoever. Like, La Tigra is like uh, a Kathleen Hanna band, or was. I've never uh, even heard of La Tigra. Kathleen okay, Hanna is from uh, Bikini Kill, like Riot Girl. Just kind of started the whole Riot Girl movement. Um, she had a side project band called La Tigra, like back in late 90s, early 2000s. It's just like an all-girl band for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, 
very, I don't know how to explain it, just listen to it, they're fun and cute and all that. So Macho Man with them would make no sense, and I love it. <laughs> okay, okay. All right, well, let me see here. I am going to go with... Hmm, let me think. I'm going to go with Kevin Sullivan, the Taskmaster, which honestly, Leith, I'm kind of surprised you didn't pick Kevin Sullivan. Well, uh, Macho Man's voice is just, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go with Kevin Sullivan and Black Sabbath. Interesting. Okay. I mean, the Dungeon of Doom is, is very occult-themed, right? Black Sabbath, also very occult-themed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. I would have put Macho Man with, like, Cannibal Corpse. <laughs> I mean, those I, are... I, I, I like things that are illogical. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> like hearing Kathleen Hanna's, like, sweet, very very feminine voice and then macho man in the background being macho man just amuses me greatly fair <laughs> it's kind of like how well he worked well with miss elizabeth so it's kind of a similar vibe yeah true yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> I hope that's a sufficient answer. <laughs> I think I think that's a really good question. And everybody who's listening to this, if you want us to answer your questions or if you ever want to join in on the show, you can do so by emailing the wrestling time machine at gmail.com and we will read your questions live on the air and you can participate in the show. Or I guess you can keep sending questions to Leah however you've been doing that. It works. It works. <laughs> Just it's, make sure your questions are about the show and, and not creepy stuff, please. Yeah, if you, if you send <laughs> creepy stuff, we don't want you to be a part of the show. Uh, that, go away, creeps. Is what I will say. <laughs> so, but yeah, make sure make sure it's uh it's appropriate for the show. Just don't be creepy. That's all you got to do. Yeah. It's not that hard, people. It's really not. Like being not creepy is free even. Yeah. <laughs> you can just not do that like ever. <laughs> <laughs> or if you're going to send me creepy stuff, make it like you know, like actual creepy stuff, like Halloween and skeletons and fun stuff like that. I'll, I'll allow that. <laughs> yeah, a- absolutely. It's just no clowns. No clowns. Or you will get blocked. <laughs> I have definitely sent Leith clowns before. Yeah. <laughs> I can't exactly block you, though. <laughs> I'm awful. Uh, so before we, uh, I, I think we're coming close to to the end of the show. Leith, do you have any other questions? Uh, you know, I think I got everything I wanted okay. out of this. 
I mean, I always can think of a million more questions, but I'll, I'll I think this is good. All right, very cool. <laughs> uh, Leo, where can people find you on the internet? Um, anyone who's interested can follow me on Twitter or Instagram, and my Facebook page is all at Leo London twenty three. Uh, um, because David Beckham's number was twenty three, and so was Michael Jordan, and so was LeBron James, and I'm the LeBron James of technical wrestling. Uh, and my YouTube channel is called Glitter and Arm Bars. And you can watch our show. Uh, we upload almost every Thursday. Um, this week, I'm a little busy with getting ready for Kauai, which you will be able to see in Winnipeg, Manitoba, um, for PCW at 20 Alpine Ave. Uh, and I think that's, that's all I have to plug for the time being. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Very cool. Very cool. Well, we want to thank you, Leo, for coming on and being a part of the show. Uh, of course, we wish you the best of luck in your match against uh, friend of the show, Mike Quackenbush. And I think with that, everybody, I think we can call out a show. Thank you. All right. Perfect. Thank you for having me. Bye-bye.